Hello and welcome to Chromodiversity, a podcast about common genetic diversity. I'm Elliot Pollock, founder of MyXXY Chromodiversity Foundation, and I'll be your host. In episodes 5 to 11, you'll hear me read out possibly the most extensive review of Kleinfelter syndrome, KS, to date. Published in 2018, it presents a comprehensive interdisciplinary examination of KS and highlights the importance of multidisciplinary care lasting the full spectrum of life from early childhood on. For ease of listening, we've broken it down into seven parts corresponding to seven episodes. Title, Kleinfelter Syndrome, Integrating Genetics, Neuropsychology, and Endocrinology. Authors, Gravhold et al. Publication, Endocrine Reviews, 2018. You can download the full version with elements not included here, such as tables, notes, and references on our podcast website, chromodiversity.com. Today, you'll be hearing part two, a hot topic episode that covers prevalence, morbidity, and mortality in individuals with an extra X chromosome. This matters more than one might think because the author's detailed review of these three aspects leads them to advocate for a major change in health systems around the world. The introduction of systematic population-based screening at birth, something that five years later has not yet been implemented in any country. So sit back, keep an open mind, and please don't hesitate to share your feedback and comments. Prevalence, morbidity, and mortality. When KS was first described by Harry F. Kleinfelter, Edward C. Reifenstein, and Fuller Albright in Boston in 1942, the authors described the occurrence of the syndrome as, quote, not uncommon. When Patricia A. Jacobs and John A. Strong in 1959 described the karyotype 47XXY, it became possible to verify the diagnosis by standard karyotyping and thus to examine large populations. However, although many surveys of newborns subsequently have been performed, it is still not clear how frequent KS is and especially whether there are demographic differences in prevalence. It is nonetheless clear that diagnosis and especially late or non-diagnosis of the syndrome is of substantial concern. Few boys with KS are diagnosed and only a minority of the expected number is diagnosed during adulthood. Non-diagnosis may likely introduce ascertainment bias and hamper the interpretation of the current literature on KS. Are non-diagnosed KS males similar to diagnosed KS males? Are they much less affected with no or few symptoms, which could explain the conundrum of non-diagnosis? Or are they more severely affected, leading to premature death before diagnosis? In this section, all aspects of epidemiology will be discussed and areas of uncertainty will be highlighted. Prevalence. 
based on a number of large cytogenic chromosome surveys of newborns in various countries around the world, it's possible to compute an estimate of the average prevalence of KS at birth, which is 152 per 100,000 newborn males, 95% confidence interval, CI, 121 to 188 per 100,000, a total of 84 diagnosed with KS in 55,212 boys, ranging from 85 to 223 per 100,000 males. Still, these studies were all performed primarily with white and Japanese individuals. More recent research in Denmark, Australia, and the United States has replicated these results, along with showing a significant diagnostic divergence dependent on the time of diagnosis. In Denmark, we determined the prevalence of KS based on prenatal examination to be 153, 145 to 161 per 100,000 live-born males which is very close to previous estimates, and because spontaneous abortions rarely occur, this prevalence can be seen as a valid index of prevalence in Denmark. The prevalence based on postnatal examination, however, was much lower, and for the entire study period from 1931 to 2000, only 28 KS males per 100,000 were detected, which illustrates low diagnostic yield in the beginning of the 20th century. But even so, it is clear that many KS males are not diagnosed, and we estimated that only about 25% of all KS males were diagnosed postnatally. In a study from Australia, a somewhat higher pre- and postnatal prevalence of 223, 195 to 254 per 100,000, and 87, 70 to 107, per 100,000 was presented, indicating that about 40% of the expected KS males were diagnosed postnatally. The authors speculate that the higher pre- and postnatal prevalence in Australia compared with Denmark may be due to the combined effect of older Australian mothers and a different racial composition of the Australian populace. A recent study from the United States suggested that the prevalence of KS among males with white ethnicity was 166 per 100,000, but 355 per 100,000 among males with Asian ethnicity, although numbers in this study were small. Diagnosis and non-diagnosis. The diagnosis of a male with KS rests on clinical appearance coupled with a karyotype of 47XXY or mosaics thereof. There is no universal agreement on the necessary clinical signs or stigmata that should lead to karyotyping. We believe that persons with additional sex chromosomes, 48XXXY, 48XXYY, and other similar syndromes should not be considered KS males because they normally have a much more affected phenotype. The cardinal stigmata include small testes, which are present in virtually all KS male, hypergonadotropic hypogonadism, gynemastia, learning difficulties, and infertility. It's clear, though, that many other signs, symptoms, and conditions can be associated with KS. However, absence of overt clinical signs is often the case, and many males with KS are difficult to distinguish from the normal 46XY male. As mentioned previously, 
epidemiological studies have estimated the diagnostic yield in different countries. It seems that only 25% to 40% of the pool of KS males are ever diagnosed, and only about 10% of these are diagnosed during childhood and adolescent years, whereas the bulk of patients are diagnosed during adulthood, typically in the course of a fertility workup, as shown in updated Danish data, which found a mean age at diagnosis of 27 years. It can be seen from these new data that 65% of prenatally diagnosed KS males are legally aborted, and that only a small fraction are diagnosed in childhood, and that a minority are diagnosed quite late in life after the age of 50 years. A British study on mortality in KS males found that 3,518 individuals with KS ever diagnosed by the year 2000, and one can indirectly make a crude estimate of the prevalence of 11.9 per 100,000 males. Likewise, a recent Swedish study on cancer epidemiology found 1,085 individuals with KS, and one can estimate a prevalence of 23.1 per 100,000 males which shows that far fewer KS males are diagnosed in Great Britain and Sweden than would be expected. These crude estimates do not adjust for somewhat elevated mortality rate that is present among KS males, but even so, they illustrate that the diagnostic yield maximally reaches 40% of the expected numbers in all countries with available nationwide data. These figures beg the question of why so many KS males are not diagnosed. KS can be diagnosed prenatally by amniocentesis, chorion villus sampling, or free cell DNA testing. Furthermore, Down syndrome screening using ultrasound-based nucleofold measurement, serum pregnancy-associated protein A, and free beta human Chorionic gonotropin detects 19 KS males per 100,000 male fetuses, 13% of the expected number. Evaluation of all available studies from a wide range of countries shows that about 44 to 85% of parents choose legal abortion of a KS fetus, reducing the number of live-born KS males, but only marginally due to the low level of detection of KS by prenatal mythology. Applying the legal abortion rate to KS prevalence found in our previous studies, legal abortion in Denmark at the present would be expected to reduce the prevalence of live-born KS males from 150 to 140 per 100,000 males. This may well change in the future, with optimization of especially cell-free DNA testing leading to detection of much greater numbers of KS males. Given parents, will continue to choose legal abortion with a rate of 45% to 85%. Taken together, available data show that diagnosis of KS is often seriously delayed, and frequently a diagnosis is never made, illustrating that new diagnostic avenues should be implemented. Late diagnosis or non-diagnosis extends to all sex chromosome sim syndromes. We and others have called for population-based neonatal genetic screening to clarify several questions concerning prevalence 
and phenotypic spectrum and enabling early establishment of appropriate treatment. Population-based neonatal screening can be considered if a condition is an important health problem with a latent early asymptomatic stage and has a well-understood natural history for which there are accepted treatments with associated facilities for diagnosis and treatment. We think these requirements are fulfilled for KS, although due to the rarity of the syndrome, it will seem likely take, to take a long time to demonstrate associations between early diagnosis, continuous specialized care, and improved long-term outcomes. Morbidity. The morbidity pattern among KS males is diverse, which is difficult to reconcile with the different phenotypic characteristics usually present among KS males, including hypergonadotrophic hypogonadism, infertility, and neurocognitive deficits. We investigated the Danish registries regarding the morbidity pattern in KS and found an elevated morbidity for almost all international classification of diseases and related health problems, version 10, ICD-10, chapters, except the chapter diseases in the newborn. Infections, certain cancers, breast and mediastinal, anemia, psychiatric diseases, psychosis, neurosis, personality disorders, mental retardation, neurologic diseases, circulatory diseases, ischemic heart disease, deep vein thrombosis, DTE, lung embolia, pulmonary diseases, pneumonia, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, gastrointestinal disease, ulcers, cirrhosis of liver, skin diseases, diseases of the musculoskeletal system, uh, osteoarthritis, diseases of the urogenital system, infections, gynomastica, congenital malformations, heart, genitalia, retention of the testes, trauma, and intoxications were all seen significantly more among KS males. Endocrine diseases were as well seen more frequently among KS males, including type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, hypogonadism, and hypothyroidism. At that time, some of these diseases had previously been associated with KS, but many had not. This applied to conditions like pneumonia, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, osteoarthritis, ulcers, etc., likely due to their commonality in the general population. The pattern of malignant disease in KS shows that, though the risk of cancer in general is close to that of the normal male population, certain patterns emerge with a higher risk of breast cancer, mediastinal tumor, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and hematological cancers in general, whereas the risk of prostate cancer is low. It remains unexplained why some cancers are more frequent among KS males, but a genetic background seems plausible. On the other hand, it's likely that the scarcity of prostate cancers is due to low levels of endogenous testosterone in the untreated condition and or undertreatment with testosterone and thus relative hypogonadism among many KS males. 
A recent large study of non-KS males in the United Kingdom pointed towards increased body fat and presence of diabetes as protective risk markers which could also be at play in KS. Such a pattern of morbidity points to factors other than just hypogonadism, genetic causes, and decreased neurocognitive deficits as explanatory factors. And we've extended our register studies and include socioeconomic variables accordingly. In a recent study, we show that the socioeconomic status of KS males is very different from that of controls. Less than 10% of KS males achieve a higher education, whereas retirement age, on average, is more than 15 years earlier. KS males versus controls, 43.5 versus 60.3 years. Fewer KS males become fathers and more live alone. As a result, the annual income throughout the lifespan is much lower among KS males. <clears throat> the reduced socioeconomic status that emerges is undoubtedly an explanatory factor for the diverse morbidity pattern as shown in other settings, but we still need to untangle the additive effects of the syndrome per se, late diagnosis, under treatment of hypogonadism, and possibly also inadvertent overtreatment with exogenous testosterone. Summary of best evidence and areas of controversy. Summary of best evidence. The prevalence of KS ranges from 85 to 250 per 100,000 live-born males, and it is possible that there are ethnic differences. Only a minority, 25% to 40% of the expected number of KS males are ever diagnosed. Morbidity and mortality is increased across all diagnostic chapters with likely influences from hypogonadism, genetic factors, and poor socioeconomic conditions, and perhaps also from TRT. Areas of controversy. There's a dire need for population-based studies in different ethnic groups, both to establish a valid and reliable prevalence and to assess the impact of ethnicity. It is currently not clear how to improve diagnostic yield in the best way. We advocate for the introduction of a population-based neonatal screening, although the cost-benefit ratio of such an initiative has yet to be evaluated. It is not clear how TRT impacts the general pattern of morbidity and mortality, as well as specific diseases. Thanks for listening to the second part of this review. I hope you enjoyed it and will excuse me for having tripped over some of the medical terms. As you just heard, KS is associated to excess mortality, higher incidence of almost all existing diseases and health problems, and lower socioeconomic status. Yet, importantly, this cannot be explained by genetics alone. The authors advocate for systematic population-based neonatal screening and early intervention in order to avoid compounding adverse outcomes. While recognizing it may take a long time to demonstrate the exact associations between early diagnosis, specialized care, and long-term outcomes over a lifetime. In the next exciting episode, part three, you'll hear about the fast-changing understanding of the genetics of KS 
and how the thinking behind genomics era has moved away from genes to focus on what is called the epigenome and transcriptome. What does this mean? To put it simply, it means genetics is not destiny, more like a blueprint, and there are different ways the genetic code can be expressed that depend on non-genetic external factors. Or you might want to think of an extra chromosome like a long fixed sequence of musical notes written on a silent piece of paper that can't be changed, but that can be interpreted in an almost endless number of different ways when it comes to playing the music out loud in real life. The fact is, genomics, screening, and testing are advancing at a blistering pace. It can be hard to keep up, let alone know what to do in terms of policy, awareness, screening, and care when faced with today's increasingly frequent positive diagnosis. Indeed, since this review was published, new findings have been made in the areas of testing and early intervention that could result in vastly improved lifelong outcomes, such as ones that are discussed in episodes one to four. Fortunately, we're learning more every day, and thanks to amazing people like you, listening, learning, and supporting our cause, I believe the future is bright.